All righty. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Collective. I'm your host, Chris Perry, with your co-host, Mike. Mike, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, Chris. How are you? I just came back from uh, Philadelphia for the weekend. I was there for four days for my brother's white coat ceremony. He's Ooh, going to be congrats. a pharmacist, which is cool. That is very cool. Doing? Did you have a cheesesteak while you were there? Uh, I did in the Philadelphia airport, so I wasn't really like that awesome. Damn. Damn. But right, we had some point. better food. Um, we had Japanese barbecue. We got this, me and my mom, my brother, so three of us. And we mm-hmm. ordered uh, the meal f- for six people, and then we ordered extras on top of it. Um, so I had my fair share of food in Philadelphia. I, I, I was good. It's off season. How was your weekend? It was good, man. Um, I got my wallet stolen. That was super sick. And oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, got stolen. Got a call from Chase. Shout out Chase. Um, that someone tried to use my card at a PetSmart right down the street from me, and oh. went and got my wallet back. And they had stolen only. I mean, obviously they'd stolen all of my cash and nothing else. So that's super sick. Um, other than that, I got my office chair and put it together without instructions as I had to prove my dominance in my household. Um, And I got a business phone. So I'm starting to find this balance of business and personal life for the first time ever, which is super sick. Good. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Not happy about the wallet, but otherwise things are improving. I feel like I'm finding like my ebb and flow finally. Um, But yeah. So Mike, what are we talking about today, man? Talking about creatine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so me, me and Chris wanted to talk uh, a bit about performance-enhancing drugs. Um, you know, there's a big trend right now uh, that I've noticed on social media. I'm sure you guys have noticed as well. People kind of like glamorizing drugs and glamorizing mm-hmm. these like insane cycles. Um, so in an effort to try and help uh, you know, maybe dissuade some people from subjecting their bodies to some silly things. We wanted to talk a bit about you know things to consider before a first cycle, um, what you should get ironed out, maybe what your first cycle looks like as far as lengths, um, total exposure. Maybe some, we'll, maybe we'll talk a little bit about compound selection as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about male versus female stuff as well, mm-hmm. uh, and then. Well, I like to call the the male lifelong commitment to uh, performance-enhancing drugs kind of at the end. Yeah, yeah. I think in doing this and being an old head now, as I like to call myself, I have seen the industry switch to where there is a lot of people are desensitized to PED usage, dosages, anything like that. Like I am seeing kids who have no business even touching a syringe doing cycles that are heavier than some pros that I know, right? Yeah. Um, Which is terrifying to think about because I remember, obviously, you know, it's no surprise, I do use PEDs. Um, The first cycle... I know, dude, it's a surprise to me too. Um, The first cycle that I did, I was actually terrified to do it. Like, just testosterone. I was scared. Now, granted... My situation was a little bit different. I was bulimic when I was like 17 and 18 years old. So I was 160 pounds at that point. Uh, I'm six foot one for reference. So I was very skinny. Um, I had to go to the emergency room at one point. Um, but I had a lot of issues with like libido and depression and all these other things. So I finally got my blood work done in 2017. And my test levels were like 60. And... Yeah. I went back like six months later and my test levels were a hundred. So I, my doctor advised that I'd be prescribed TRT at that, at 17, 18 years old. Um, and so I did TRT for two years and then I did my first cycle when I was 20 years old, which I still do think is a little bit young in the grand scheme of things. Um, but at that point I'd been training for six years naturally. Well, TRT is there's an asterisk beside those two years, yeah, but it's yeah, yeah. But nonetheless, and you got on so the TRT plus the extra credit TRT. Yeah, I got the TRT and gravy, dude. Um, <laughs> so, but I still remember like going from, I was you know I was doing 150 milligrams for my TRT, 
and then jumping to 300 milligrams for my first cycle scared the shit out of me. Um, and it took me a long time to actually allow myself to do it. I, I, li- I remember I made a checklist of all of the training goals that I had, right? All of like X lift I wanted to be able to do X weight for X amount of reps with this execution, like grading as I called it. Um, but I also set like life goals too. I was like, I want to have like X amount of, you know, dollars saved up. I want to be working in a career based job. I want to do X. I like set all of these, like almost slightly unattainable goals because I was like scared to do it. And then once I checked off all the goals, I was like, Oh shit, I guess it's time to do this now. And then I did my first cycle and I put on like a lot of tissue because I had, done the due diligence right and i think i was talking to my dad about this uh last week or a couple weeks ago when i was in town because i had a guy reach out to me for coaching and all he wanted to talk about in his uh, intake form was peds and that's like the last thing that i fucking give a shit to talk about at this point and and he explained it in a good way because my dad has no understanding of this industry of peds of anything like that he just knows he knows that i do it and we've talked about it And he was like, you know, you can put nitrous in a Honda Civic engine and it will work maybe one or two times, but at some, a certain point it's going to blow up. Whereas he used like me as an example, he was like, you have built the frame of the car. You have built the wheels. You have built every minor piece and part all the way up until finally you needed a little bit of nitrous and that's where you're at now. And that's why it's been sustainable. Right. Whereas we're getting kids who don't even have fucking four wheels on their car. Don't let me run a gram really quick and see what happens. So yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. How, how much of that do you think? I mean, I I would say the majority of it is, but how much of that do you think is from, I'm going to say like literally TikTok. It is the amount of guys I get on my TikTok feed, just like glamorizing PED use is insane. Um, and there's never any discussion about prerequisites or things to consider before your first cycle or any kind of drug exposure. Like if I, I'm not, I don't like to gatekeep things, but if you're someone that's been lifting weights for six months to a year, year and a half, two years, somewhere in that range, it's very unlikely that your diet and your training adherence and recovery adherence is in a really awesome spot. More often than not, you know, those first two years, you're still kind of figuring out how to train properly, what kind of diet system works for you. Are you a four or five, six meal a day kind of person? Um, how, what does your body need for like proper recovery? Are you someone that can get by with just, you know, seven hours of sleep and you're good? Or are you someone like me where you need, you know, nine hours of sleep, a nap in the middle of the day, you take an ice bath because you're a lunatic and, you know, you need to meditate twice a day, otherwise you're bent out of shape. That's only something you find over time with time. Yeah. And I don't think that's something that is really discussed enough because if you have this internal environment where you're chronically stressed, you're feeding yourself dog shit food you're not sleeping properly, your training's all over the place, and then you just start adding gear into the mix, you're just adding fuel to a fire that's already not good. Um, That's when you start running into some health issues. So I know from my end, I've run into problems with clients that uh, are eating like shit, still partying, not sleeping very well, or not sleeping enough. and they start taking some tests, usually like three, 500 megs, somewhere in that range. And they have this astronomically high blood pressure. Their face is blown out and red. Um, they're aromatizing like crazy. And that's just what happens when you don't really have your due diligence set in place. Um, so I think if you're considering getting on PEDs, something you need to do, maybe create a little checklist Give yourself a grade and be honest. How good has your diet been from a quality and adherence standpoint for the last eight months to a year? Have you been, you know, crossing all all your T's and dotting all your I's? Or are you only hitting things about 60%? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Chris. I'm a big proponent of, like, in the off season, if you're 90% on, 
with your food selection and you have a little deviation, you know, once or twice a week as far as a meal, I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. But if you're someone that's constantly emailing me, hey, Mike, I missed three meals on Tuesday, so I went to, you know, a buffet and smashed a bunch of food. And then on Thursday, I didn't get any meals in because I woke up late and I couldn't prep. So I went to fucking Applebee's and I had, you know, 18 rounds of half-priced apps. Like, you're, you're not someone that I would consider a candidate for good PED usage. No, I, I agree. I think and there are a lot of points in that. Like, I don't necessarily want to gatekeep either. And I'm not saying that the way that I've gone about this is the golden ticket and the only way to do it. But in my experience of being in the industry for the time that I have and meeting people and talking and other coaches, X, Y, and Z, um, like – the, the way that if this was a game of milligrams, the biggest guy in the room would just be the guy who's found the most places to inject, right? That's obviously yeah. not – that's not the end-all, be-all is what I'm trying to say. Like, and, and, and I don't want to sound hypocritical. Like, yes, PEDs obviously help, clearly, if everything else is going the way that it needs to go because I have seen too many people who – progress at a slower rate running copious amounts of gear than some natural athletes that I have. So obviously that, yeah. that PEDs is not the solution. If it, cause I can quantifiably look at those two people and say, like I had a guy come to me for coaching. He claimed to be a coach obviously. And he, we did a consultation call, started talking about everything. And he started asking me questions about PEDs in the vernacular of, experience, not curiosity, right? He was just asking certain things and his verbiage just felt like he knew what he was talking about, not like he had just read a couple Reddit threads. And so I asked him, I was like, have you done gear? And he said, yeah, duh. And I said, clearly not, duh, if I'm having to ask you if you're doing it. And he sends me his cycle and he sends me his blood work and he sends me his diet. And it was his first cycle that he'd ever run. It was two grams total between injectables and orals for six months, for six months, for six months, okay? And he was just swapping compounds out every like eight weeks, okay? And his diet was uh, predominantly dairy and saturated fats. It was literally like sausage patties and whole fat milk was basically his whole (laughs) diet. like Hamburger helper every day right i love listen i love beef stroganoff a lot but not that much and he sends me his blood work and to this day it's the worst blood work i've ever seen in my entire life red across the board everything was out of range okay Uh so and he didn't look good like he just looked like an average like just got in the gym maybe five months ago type of guy like just a chubby ish like buck 80 and i'm not trying to be hateful but it's just like the fact of the matter and so I like convinced him to go on TRT and work through a health phase. And we had an extensive list of health supplements and things that we had to do. And I was like, we're going to clean you up and clean out. And we're going to hope to God in six months, your blood work looks better. And then we're going to keep you there because I'm not putting you back on anything. Three months down the line, he gets blood work done. Things are improving. He asked when his next cycle was. I told him no. He had to, and mind you, this guy is a year older than me. He's 26. He had to go see, um, cardiologist because he has tachycardia he went and saw a nephrologist because he's borderline renal failure and he had a polyp on his liver okay and didn't understand the severity of any of those three things and i told him i was like i in good conscience and legally cannot advise that you do anything in this realm ever again and he told me that he needed peds to be successful and i very very harshly explained to him that's not the fucking case of the matter and then he left me, right, because I wouldn't give him what he wanted. But that's, that's the right. primest example of, I mean, he was running a cycle heavier than any pro that I know personally that has shared their protocols with me to look like a normal yeah. person, like a normal person. Yeah, like, if, if, if you find that you're someone who needs to hammer a ton of gear to make progress, um, and if you do have all those those T's crossed and and I's dotted like I mentioned earlier and you're still having to take you know 1500 milligrams 2000 milligrams things like that just to make progress 
I'm not trying to rain on your parade, but bodybuilding might not be for you from a genetic standpoint. Yeah. Um, just a, a, a frame of, of reference here. If you aren't making progress, even in your health phases, when you're on, you know, what I like to call bodybuilder TRT, which is anywhere between three and 500 milligrams, um, you know, that kind of bridge phase in between two periods of high exposure. If you aren't making progress in that time point, something is up. Either your training sucks, your recovery sucks, your diet sucks, or your genetics suck. Um, and if it's the latter part, maybe understand that bodybuilding is, is not in the cards for you. And it's not something I say to discourage anyone from getting into the sport or into the, the hobby. It's more from a point of uh, health that I'd be concerned about. Are you someone that's going to have to take three grams of gear to grow? If you are, imagine what that's going to do to your internal health over time. You know, how long can you sustain being on three grams? I'm not saying bodybuilding is a healthy sport. No one gets into competitive bodybuilding and says, I am a health guru and I also want to be 230 pounds shredded when I compete. You don't get to have both. And obviously there's a time where we have to kind of compromise a bit on some health markers to get Mm -hmm. to the look that we want. But that doesn't mean year round we're, you know, having motor oil in our veins instead of instead of blood. Um, so if you're someone that has to do that, maybe let's reconsider sports, consider, reconsider hobbies. You can still go to the gym, but maybe uh, build a workshop in your garage and start woodworking or woodworking stuff. Something I, I feel like it'd be very yeah, it's cooler fun. than bodybuilding anyway. I agree. I agree. But, I because you know, go ahead, go ahead. I, I was going to say, do you want to talk a bit about like? what first exposures look like as far as length, uh, exposure, compound selection. I mean, we can talk about it from kind of our, our perspectives as coaches, um, what we think is appropriate for, for that. Yeah. I, I, and really quick, the last thing I want to harp on, like, I think people fail to realize too, like this is a life altering decision, like male or female. This is a, you are making in a certain sense, a lifelong commitment. The second, I started doing shots. I knew that I'm going to do at least one a week for the rest of my entire life. And that is something that I accepted. And I spent a lot of time thinking about it. And I also work very closely with a physician, right? Like I get my blood work done every 10 weeks on, on average. And I have since 2017 when we found out my test levels were non-existent. Um, so with that being said, I will gatekeep PEDs. If you can't afford blood work, you can't afford tests. I don't fucking care. If you can't afford health supplements, you can't afford tests. I don't fucking care. That's always like my first yeah. rule of thumb. You, if you can't, yeah. you don't get to. You don't earn that right. If you're having to pinch pennies to already eat your chicken and rice, why do you think affording tests is going to be the end-all, be-all? Um, yeah. But with that, with that being said, first exposure from like a male perspective, mm-hmm. I think, in my opinion, in my experience, like – 300 milligrams of testosterone a week goes a really long way, right? Mm -hmm. I like the Jordan Peters approach of let's just push test out into a super physiological range just enough to where we aren't having to rely on statins and aromatase inhibitors and those types of things to mitigate side effects because let's just do enough to elicit the – because the way that I look at it, if your test levels are – 1500 or 15,000, I don't know that the rate of progression is going to be any different between those because your body can only progress at a certain rate as it is. But if I'm at 1500, I know how I'm going to feel mentally and physically and know that I'm not going to have to take all of these additional ancillary drugs to keep me quote unquote healthy. But I know at 15,000, I'm having to take the kitchen sink to stay alive. So that's my, my take. Lisinopril through an IV at that point. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, that's 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 my. I'm a less is more, and and it goes back to TikTok. I think ultimately social media as a whole, but I think TikTok is the most volatile example. Creates this sense of instant gratification, especially in fitness, that you have to be this ziz bra shredded fucking rave douche, and then you'll be god, right? And so these kids think they're one test cycle away from being David Laid or whoever the fuck is famous now, like the trend twins or whatever. Um, and 
that's trend just not twins. The, dude, it's these two guys called the Trend Twins on, and they don't oh, apparently they don't take Trend. They're both just meathead, like literally, like dumb, like meatheads. And again, that's an example. They have glorified PED usage, and I think they are desensitizing it into people are forgetting the severity of what we're doing, right? Yeah. And they think it's cute and cool, and you're a part of this awesome club, bro. Like nobody cares. At the end of the day, I promise you, like nobody gives a fuck if you run gear or not it doesn't matter anymore because we all know yeah it's not cool dude i don't care like i don't feel special for doing what i do like i choose to do what i do and honestly it probably like inadvertently feeds my imposter syndrome um because everybody's like dude you're making progress i'm like yeah well i'm i take take gear sometimes i'm shooting gear with a turkey baster right now so (laughs) But, but people, you know, there's this like instant gratification that, oh, if I take, if I do a cycle of test trend, I'll be famous on TikTok or whatever the fuck people want these days. And it's like, that's just not how it works. Right. Because people don't realize, like, we always talk about genetics and bodybuilding and people, I think always refer or relate that to muscle insertions, your structure, those things, which obviously is genetics. But people don't realize, like, you, you also have a genetic propensity to how you respond to PEDs, like, both positively and negatively, right? Like, there are certain things I know I can't take because of adverse effects. And I know there are certain things that I can take, no issues at all. But people also don't realize, like you said, like, there are people who are genetically fucked. Like, you can take all of the kitchen sink of gear and make no progress no matter what. I've, like, and, I, dude, I, I've met guys who, like, been around them, train like savages, eat like a horse and run copious amounts of gear and don't show it. And it's like genetically they are just handed the wrong – they weren't dealt the right hand of cards. And if that's the case, just understand maybe this isn't where you – go woodwork. It's cooler. Basket weave. It's sick as fuck. Yeah. Like do something else. Like don't yeah. kill yourself over this. It's not worth it. Also, also if you're bodybuilder, you should just have a hobby, by the way. Don't let For sure. bodybuilding be your only identifier in life. I've been building. Um, yeah, this really fun. <laughs> on, anyways, uh, on the topic of of genes, uh, genetics rather, there's uh, a term that some people use like slow and fast metabolizers of of anabolic steroids. Uh, everyone's going to be different, and how you tolerate drugs and each drug is going to be different for you than it is for me, than it is for Chris, than it is for Joe Blow down the street, um, and a lot of that. For those of you that are dorks like me, uh, if you want to look up uh, cytochrome P450, that is a the gene that is responsible for a lot of your drug metabolism, uh, specifically with anabolic steroids. So that gene releases enzymes that kind of are the rate limiters or the rate inducers for how fast or how slow your body will disassemble the molecular structure of the different androgens that you're using so that's going to determine a lot of of how you get side effects i'm not saying go run out and get your you know cyp450 gene looked at um that's kind of silly you'll be able to tell within your first couple times using gear if you're a slow or fast metabolizer if you're someone that grows like a weed off of a little bit of gear well looks like you're a fast metabolizer good for you if you're someone that has to take a little more gear than the guy next door, you might be someone who's a bit of a slower metabolizer. That's all right. But yeah. on, on the topic of first exposure, mine is probably a little bit different than Chris's. Um, it's just every coach has their own system. There's no right or wrong way of, about it um, as long as it's logical and, and you know, follows kind of a, a set parameter. So I uh, have been pretty heavily influenced by a handful of people uh, in my life that have helped me learn about PEDs. Um, JP is definitely one of them. Victor Black is another one. Project Chavez is another one. So I take um, a bit from each person that I've learned uh, and I've kind of pieced together my own system. So I actually have a guy going through their first um, exposure right now and generally I like to start them at a replacement dose of testosterone uh, mm-hmm. and then we slowly ramp that up every few weeks until we find how much can they tolerate 
um, without needing any blood pressure medication or any kind of aromatase issues. Um, so for some people, they get up to 400 milligrams and then they're, they're starting to aromatize there. I have other clients where they can take like 750 milligrams and they run into zero issues. Um, so that's, that's how I like to do things. And then mm -hmm. depending on how long it takes for us to get there, that's when we start doing uh, this term coined that I really like from Alex Kickle, a former coach of mine, what he likes to call anabolic mapping. So we kind of did the first step there where we figured out how much testosterone can you tolerate without running into any issues. Um, and we can stay usually just a little bit below that. You don't want to redline that. So if you're someone that 600 milligrams is the absolute limit before you run into issues, maybe just hang out around 500 milligrams. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's when we can start trying to figure out what other compounds work for you. So are you someone that responds really well to NPP or any other kind of uh, 19 nor derivative? Are you someone that responds well to Masteron or Primo? Um, those are, are really great options. And then you can start dipping your toes a little bit into some of the, you know, what's coined uh, bioidentical oral steroids. So things like Anavar or Proviron. Um, mm -hmm. Linkstraw is also another one of those, but that's probably silly to take outside of a contest prep scenario. So you, you have this list of drugs that I don't want to use the term experiment, but we do, uh, you know, expose you to them for a few weeks. We see how you react and we can pull them back down and then move into another one. So then we kind of, over the course of eight months to a year, we figure out, well, you can tolerate X amount of testosterone. You tolerate this drug well. You don't tolerate this drug well. And then we kind of have this idea of the framework that we have moving forward. So <laughs> I know me personally, I'm, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about my prior use. Um, I can't get away with taking very much testosterone. I just turn into yep. a bloated, watery mess. So I just know yep. I can't do that. Um, I respond pretty well to DHT derivatives, specifically Masteron. Some people run into issues where they take too much Masteron and it nukes their estrogen. So for those of you who don't know, um, Masteron does have an estrogen managing effect to it. You can use that to your advantage um, by not having to take an aromatase inhibitor. Um, some people, I have a client right now who, if he takes more than like 300 milligrams of Masteron, his E2 is fucking tanked. Whereas mm -hmm. I can take 900 milligrams and I am perfectly fine. I am yep. running into zero issues. So you need to take mm -hmm. some time to figure out kind of the framework of what works well for you. Um, and you can do that over the course of a year. I'm not saying to stay at that maximum tolerable dose of testosterone for a year, but you can spend a few weeks, you ramp up to it, you find another compound that agrees well with you, you stick, hang out there for a few weeks, then you pull things back down to TRT. Then again, ramp back up to that level of testosterone that you tolerate well. Try a new compound if you so want. See how that goes for a few weeks and then pull it back down. Um, you'll make some really great progress in that year. It's very unlikely you'll run into any serious health issues as long as you're working with a competent coach and you're monitoring your blood work and your other you know, health markers. Mm -hmm. And then we finish up a year. Maybe it takes you a year and a half to cycle through the things that you're wanting to try. And then now we kind of have a framework of the rest of your career. What can we use? What can't we use? Um, mm -hmm. And when I'm talking about side effects, I don't just mean like physical things. So there's some people uh, that get really bad anxiety when you start taking any kind of nandrolone. So MPP or DECA. If you're one of those people, I don't think it's worth using. Uh, like, yeah, sure. NPP is a great drug. You feel great. You look good. Uh, your training performance is good, but if you are a nervous, neurotic mess because of NPP, it's not doing you any justice. Um, if we look at any of the literature about how fast you grow muscle tissue, if you line up 100 milligrams of test, 100 milligrams of Masteron, Primobol, and NPP, whatever, insert any anabolic steroid in there, the rate at which you lay down new proteins and new tissues is just about the same across the board so with that knowledge we kind of know that 
the secondary actions of the drugs are what we're looking at as far as compound selection. And that's what helps us make those decisions. What's more appropriate for the off season versus contest prep versus health phases. Um, and that is important to realize because there's this notion that like slamming a bunch of trend is the best way to grow. 100 milligrams of trend isn't going to make you grow any better than 100 milligrams of Masteron. But what the 100 milligrams of trend might do to you is jack your blood pressure up. It might, if you're someone that's emotional, it might mess with your emotional stability. Um, yep. And there's some literature, it's not awesome, but there is some that shows that trend can be um, a little more toxic on your, on your body than other drugs. So with that in mind, we don't really need to use that year round we should stick to those those other drugs that we know have a lesser side effect profile that's less harsh on you uh, so we can do some risk mitigation mm -hmm. I, I think too with all that being said it's you know ultimately all of this the the unfortunate evil of all of what we're doing as bodybuilders in and out of peds is this is all reactive information like we don't know until you don't know until you've tried and so the approach that Mike and I are discussing, I feel is if the best, almost proactive approach in knowing, okay, we're going to start with as minimal as humanly possible and just creep our way up. And once we start to find the end point, we pull back a little bit and we know that's the end point yeah. and that's probably never going to change. I am the same way. I can't run high test. I can't run high mm -hmm. test at all. I will get horrible estrogen side effects. I don't go above like, 500 milligrams at any point ever and i don't like to yeah. i like the 350 yeah. 300 mark that's where i feel best uh because i don't like taking aromatase inhibitors i can't take deca or npp as it makes me very anxious and it makes my pp it makes my pp very sad so oh, <laughs> yeah so i won't do it and i get like really bad gyno from it like i just i don't like it right and like yes i can take cabrivolin and masteron and all these other things to like mitigate it but it's the same argument of like is the good worth the evil no i can just take primabolin which my body loves and i'll yeah. be fine so yeah if, if that's you're having to take you know ssris and and benzos and stuff to manage your your cycles it's it's not fucking worth it dude just pick a different it's drug yeah it's like dude just pick like and again like there is a a parameter of what i would deem safer Again, relatively yeah. speaking, safer. Safer, not yeah. safe, just safer. Yeah, safer compounds <laughs> to, to look yeah. at. And I wouldn't consider equipoise and trinbolone and halotestin and most, like, you know, anadrol. Those, those are not safe to me, right? So it's like, yeah. why start with the fucking, like, bane of these, like, drugs when you can just take, again, just testosterone and if, again— the way I look at it is like you're dipping your toe into the into the right. pool, right? You take testosterone, you take it at the minimal required dose to be in a super physiological state. If you grow yeah. and progress, cool, right? If you don't grow and progress, maybe you just learn this isn't what you need to do anymore. And more isn't going to get you there quicker, right? Yeah, that's that's what I wanted to bring up next. Uh, Chris, I'm sure you fell into this. I fell into this as a younger meathead. I thought every time I took a gear I had to take more I thought if I took 300 milligrams of tests and made really great progress it's not possible for me to make progress on 300 milligrams again which is stupid to think yep. um, you don't need to take more every time if you made some really fantastic progress taking X amount of gear do it again if you ran into no issues and you made some awesome progress you're very happy with how it worked I would be willing to bet that it will work again for you. Mm -hmm. um, so there's no need to say, well, I have to take 100 more milligrams this time and then 100 more milligrams this time because then you run out of runway. You're not going to be able to just add 100 more milligrams every time because then no. you're going to get to the point where you're you know, doing shots every day with a 3 mil syringe and you're just loading yourself up with oil and you're not going to be able to do that. So make sure that you're not getting caught up. You know, there's this notion that steroids aren't addictive, which I think is the biggest crock of shit ever. Agreed. Maybe in the sense that they aren't physically addictive, like something like a you know not a recreational drug is. Yeah. Sure, I'll I buy that. But if you yeah. ask 
any guy who's taken gear before, do you feel better taking 100 milligrams of test or do you feel better taking 400 milligrams of test with a little bit of Primo and two units of GH every week? If you ask them when they feel better, I guarantee it's not the 100 milligrams of test. So what, what's interesting is I was having this conversation yesterday because I'm like, I've begun my health phase and I am starting to see my logbook. I'm losing a rep here and there. Yeah. Mentally, I feel better on TRT and I feel, I just feel better. Right. Oh yeah. 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 But physically I was talking yeah. to one of my buddies who's also on his health phase and we were having the same conversation. I was like, I, the second the logbook starts to stall and or regress is the second I'm like, damn, I miss a month ago, right? Where I miss when I was like on and like feeling yeah. like a fucking brick shit house, right? Granted, like yep. talking about dosages, I've made the same mistake. I have ran, there was one year I ran a very unethical amount of gear and it was a game where I started with just a base of testosterone and once progress stalled, I would then, instead of titrating the dosage, I would add in an additional compound. And I did that nice. for about 18, I did that for about 18 weeks and I got my blood work done at the latter part of it, like two thirds in and everything looked respectable, but I gained nothing from it, dude. Like I'll, we'll talk off camera about how much it actually was because I, again, I don't feel that giving yeah, up is going yeah. to be beneficial. Yourself. It was not necessary. And I made very little progress truthfully because yeah. I was getting horrible low back pumps in the gym. So my performance was stalling because my work capacity went down my insulin sensitivity went to shit and I was just getting fatter basically is what like truthfully happened. I was like yeah. 233 at the end of the cycle. I now run most, cause again, I do the same thing every off season. I run the same protocol at this point. It's 600 milligrams total. Right. And I'm 250 and a lot yeah. leaner than I, than I was at 233, three years ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which again is an example that more isn't more. I'm doing it on. I'll throw that. I'm doing it on a third to a quarter of what I ran then, if that gives you any perspective. And I am what 20 pounds heavier than I am yeah. now, right? Um, and it, it, it basically, I just like if I can leave one mark on this earth with this younger generation is like, don't. Like there, there is a way to approach this in a relatively safe manner. If, yeah. and this is my thing, I would prefer people don't, but if you're going to, I'd rather you have the knowledge to know how to do it in an ethical, like safer sense than just yeah, trusting yeah, yeah. The, the trend twins or whoever the fuck to say, nah, dude, just run a fucking gram, bro. It'll be, it won't be sick. You'll hate your life. You will hate your life. Yeah, I hope no one's taking away from this that me or Chris is advocating for drug use by outlining kind of how we would approach certain scenarios. We're by no means advocating for it. Um, but, you know, everyone's going to make their own decision. Uh, and our, our hope with this is if you're someone that's considering taking PEDs or you're about to start, this might help you maybe manage things in a little safer of a way in a way to maybe offset some of the health risks that we all subject ourselves to. Um, so that way we don't leave our time bodybuilding with irreversible organ damage or, or things like that. Yeah. Um, let me, let me, let me put it yeah, this cool. way. We are, we are in the game of bodybuilding. We are committing self mutilation to then be judged by our peers. We are doing fake work in the gym, which is exercising. We have an, okay. We have a privileged enough life where we have the energy to expend, to go to oh. pay, to go to a gym, to do fake work, to feel better about ourselves, to then commit self-mutilation through a show preparation, to be step on stage, to be judged by our peers. Why the fuck is it worth like years of adverse effects and health issues to take too much fucking gear to likely still not win your show? And if you do, you won a trophy. Right. Yeah. At a, at a local high school. Yeah. You are killing yourself physically, like literally killing yourself to get a trophy. I've won two overalls in my life and I can tell you, uh, I have gained nothing from that. Like it has provided me no satisfaction, no joy. It's like I did my job, but I understand what I, hypocritically, and this is where it's kind of convoluted. I still choose to do it because right. 
but again, my why for why I got into competing is different. And also in the, in the same sense of PEDs, like I'm just obsessed with performance. I love training, dude. I fucking yeah. live for training. I die for training. I don't necessarily care to be on stage. So my why is a little bit different, but I'm like, if you are approaching this and your value system is when I take gear, I'm going to love how I look and people are going to love me and I'm going to get famous and all these other joyous things are going to happen and you're going to win a million dollars. That's not going to fucking happen because I promise you, like we all already struggle with body dysmorphia, throw PEDs in the mix and see what happens, dude. You'll never look at yourself the same. Yep. Yep. Sorry. It just makes it worse. This, this whole thing is a fucking paradox, dude. Like, like you, you, there's no, there's no way to go about it. Like every person I know who takes PEDs has the worst body dysmorphia. So not only are you like going into this with the hopes of like, Oh, if I do my first cycle, I'm going to be huge and I'm going to be fucking love. Like you're not going to recognize the progress that you've made at any point. Right. So why is it worth like also ruining your kidneys and liver and mental health along the way when you actually don't need to or have to. Yeah. Oh, something out here for, uh, I've, I've never run into this issue personally, but I've heard other girls say this. Ladies, if your boyfriend is using his gear use as the reason for being an asshat and just like being mean, um, it is not the gear that has emotionally stunted your boyfriend. You just are dating an emotionally stunted boy who should probably go to therapy. Uh, it's not the gear. He's probably just a shithead anyway, and the gear is just making it worse. Gear generally just exacerbates the personality traits that you already have as far as a emotional standpoint. Um, so if someone gets on gear and they become like a radioactive just jackass they probably had that in them already um so it's not the gear it's it's the guy we'll just yeah don't gear gear like you said it exacerbates right it it there are certain things like i'm an anxious person by nature i can't touch certain drugs or it just makes me like that much more anxious and self-deprecating like to the point where like i have to talk myself into getting out of my car to walk into the grocery store type of anxiety beyond that like I, you can't, you like, Oh, sorry that I'm a piece of shit. It's because of trend. No, it's because of you. And then you're taking trend, right? Like yep. those are two separate things. The compound will exacerbate. Absolutely. But that is, it's like the same principle of like, and this is really insensitive and I'm so sorry. Like I only hit somebody when I'm drunk. It's in you when you're sober, right? Like yeah. I, as shitty as that is, it's the same concept. Yeah. These are these are substances, right? And they will alter you in certain senses. But at the end of the day, like that Still seed, you. that seed has to be there in the first place for it to like yeah. grow, right? Yeah. Um, that can't be an excuse. I don't give a shit. And, and I've heard too many people try to make that excuse of like, sorry, dude, I was just I'm on trend. Like I understand. Like if I take high aromatase inhibitors, like high dosages of them, closer to a show. I become numb to the world, which is like, but that's basically pushing myself into hormonal based depression because my, I'm just, everything's tanked. But yeah. beyond that, I'm, the other thing is too, you can stop taking your gear at any point. Like if you, yes, you can. if you notice like, okay, I'm more anxious or I'm more temperamental or whatever it may be. Or my favorite is hearing people being like infidelity being committed because of PEDs. That's one of my favorite excuses to fucking hear on this planet. Uh, you yeah, can literally cheat and they say it's because they're on drugs. Mm-hmm. Dude, I've heard the trend card being used for cheating more times than I can count. Uh, you can literally stop. You can literally stop. Yeah, yeah you like, can just not. Nobody put a gun to your head and said you have to take this cycle. Nobody gives a shit, dude. You don't have to if you don't want to be a bad person or immoral, you can literally stop the thing that you are assuming is causing that. And if you choose to continue to do it, then you are just an immoral person. That's all it is. Yeah. 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 Um, kind of pivoting a bit. We, me and Chris mostly spent time talking about males, uh, a brief bit about like female PED use. There's kind of two ways that I look at it. So you can either start with androgens or you can end with androgens. 
So if you are a woman who is uh, not wanting to risk any side effects of masculinization, which is totally a-okay, there are some drugs that you can leverage in that case. Um, those, you just have to look at drugs that can't be used as androgen receptor substrates. So things like GH, insulin, um, clenbuterol, injectable L-carnitine, metformin, things like that, and even thyroid hormones to some extent can be leveraged for uh, some muscle growth in women. Um, so that's a, a good route there if that's something you are interested in. Uh, but most of the time, people, when we're talking about performance-enhancing drugs, are interested mostly in androgens. Um, I don't necessarily like Anivar being the first route of drug exposure for women. Um, I'm actually a bigger proponent of Primabolin uh, being a first drug exposure. And as of recent, um, I'm going through a, a mentorship program right now with uh, Dominic Cusa, very good resource for, for those of you guys looking to learn. He and I have had some really great discussions about female enhancement. And one of them was, um, you know, I admit I used to have this train of thought and that taking testosterone as a woman was a really bad idea. Uh, and while I would agree taking super physiological amounts of testosterone is a really bad idea, Mm-hmm. taking a replacement dose like a true replacement dose not a bodybuilding replacement dose so anywhere between two to five milligrams per week um, depending on your blood work and how you respond in addition to something like a small bit of primabolin or something like that is probably a really great idea um, especially if you get some blood work done and you're on the lower end of testosterone why not bump that content up to the higher end of normal and then we can add in another compound that doesn't affect your serum testosterone score. And then we can use that to leverage all of our anabolic uh, functions. So if you're looking at a replacement dose of tests, tiny little bit of Primo, now you're at a point where your testosterone function is pretty much optimized. And then you have uh, you know, Primo or something like an NPP in the back that is signaling for all your growth. Um, that's something that I think is a really decent option. Um, and I don't want to say unfortunately, because it's just the nature of, of the beast. More often than not, your exposure time as a woman to androgens is going to be significantly lower than your exposure mm-hmm. time as a male. Because realistically, what androgens boil down to is we're taking a lot of male-derived sex hormones. Um, so in male physiology, taking male hormones, for the most part, is not a terrible thing. Um, for women, taking male hormones in, outside of the proper context might not be great. So if you're exposed to too high of a dose for too long, that's when you're going to start running into the side effects that we're not looking for, like maybe um, clitoral enlargement, running into issues of voice changing, facial hair, body hair. That's a discussion for later down the line of what's the risk you're willing to accept given your goals, given your timeline, given your division. Um, But in general, it makes sense to milk the most out of the least, similar to what Chris and I were talking about with males. You don't need to jump right into taking a low dose of test, Primo, Anivar, GH, and insulin all at once. Take one or two things, see how you react to them, and then come off, give your body some time to, to iron itself out, make sure your health is in a good spot, and then you can reassess your, your game plan moving forward. Yeah, I, I think, and a lot of people don't, you know, we talk, we, we've talked about the, the severity from a health standpoint from, from males, like fortunately, we do have the privilege that we are just using hormones that are very much prevalent in our bodies. So we only have to deal with, in most cases, side effects, right? Super simple. There's a very easy way to mitigate those, prevent those, get ahead of those, whatever it may be, or even like fix those in a certain sense. If you get gyno, very simple surgery to remove that. When it comes to females, you are dealing with adverse permanent effects. Once your facial structure changes, it's not going back. Once your voice lowers, it is not going back. And so that's why I'm even more 
hesitant and squeamish in those conversations to push particular things, right? I, I don't, it's not something that I like to do as a coach. If I don't have to have somebody do anything in that realm, they're not going to, right? That's mm-hmm. just my preference myself. Um, but I do like the approach of let's look at other substances, other drugs, such as metformins, injectable carnitine, those things to use that route as those are yeah. incredibly safe, incredibly safe. Yeah. And I yeah, like they're that not gonna They're not going to turn into androgen substrates. So you're not, the, the, the risk is non-existent. Non-existent. Yeah. And so that's how I would prefer if I'm prepping an enhanced female athlete for a show, I'm looking at more of what you listed mm-hmm. to benefit because we are looking at fat loss, right? Like right. if we spend time in an off season, like we're supposed to, we put on the tissue that we need to, and then we take the, uh, the right approach in a, in a, a show prep. I'm not looking to continue to necessarily add muscle at four weeks out as much as I'm trying to preserve tissue and just right. reduce body fat, right? So that's right. how I like to approach it. I'm not going to put Anavar in at three weeks out. Like, we're going to look yeah. at T3, T4. We're going to look at aromatase inhibitors, potentially. We're going to look at those things because at that point, the goal is to just get you lean and hold on to the tissue that we can. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah. that's more of my approach where I'd rather use what I know is guaranteed safe relatively yeah. speaking and let's lean into those in a show in, in the conversation of a show prep situation i'm not going to throw in something like that something androgenic right at the end to try to quote unquote harden you up or whatever i'm going to yeah. look at let's get you conditioned because that's going to harden you up what what makes you look hard is being peeled and being in shape and not holding a bunch of fluid um but, to touch on a bit on kind of the preservation of muscle mass, um, when we're talking specifically about women, we know that you know clenbuterol acts on what's called the beta two adrenergic receptor, uh, and we know that that has some downstream effects into muscle protein synthesis. So it can offset some of the catabolic effects of prep and being in that prolonged diet. Same thing with T three. Same thing with T four. You know, T3 and T4 don't just function as fat loss drugs. Yes, those are hormones that are primarily responsible for, you know, these various metabolic processes that control rate of tissue loss and tissue gain. But we also know they're used as substrate for, um, for muscle tissue. And we know that they can help with offsetting some catabolism and negating some of the muscle protein breakdown that is inevitably happening when we're in a prolonged calorie deficit which is why I think they're really great options, uh, even for first-time competitors, because you're not running into the risk of messing with your sex hormones, messing with your menstrual cycle, messing with fertility, anything like that. Um, You're just kind of doing what is needed to help you accelerate fat loss a bit, help offset muscle catabolism a little bit, and bring a bit of a better package in what I would call is a really low-risk environment. Clen, uh, T3, T4, none of them are injectables. They're all just oral. Uh, you take them once a day and you move on. You don't have to worry about pulling a syringe, taking your shots, things like that. So those are vi- viable options. And then the off season, if you wanted to put on more muscle, um, you could look into something like GH insulin. And when I say insulin, I mean, kind of any insulin analog that you're looking for, whether it's a, a rapid acting insulin like a Novolog or Novolin R or something more moderate like a Novolin N or Atlantis um, that's you know a lot, bit longer acting, that's really gonna be case dependent. That's a conversation for you to have with your coach uh, depending on, on your food, but those are all viable options to help put some tissue on without running into any risk of viralization. Mm-hmm. And again, um, also like the, the one factor too is, uh, take your fucking time. Yes. You know, like I, I know it's like such a boring, non, non glamorous way to look at this. Like if, if your goal is to be competitive on stage, like, yes, obviously like PEDs are going to be involved unless you are in a tested federation. Um, you can also just understand that like, if you want to be competitive, especially in the current competitor pool, like it might take you a couple of years to get there. But there's no reason to rush the process to get to the stage because you'll get shit on. You are not going to, like, there are people, like, 
you will like I've been beaten. You will get beaten. It can happen. Um, but it's the stage happen. is always it's going to happen. The stage is always going to be there. And if right. you love the process as much as you claim on your Instagram, as you are uh, grinding in silence and back in the lab, then you'll keep fucking doing this anyways. You like right. you'll get there. You you will get there inevitably if you love it as much as you claim for the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah, not everyone's going to be Hunter Labrada, where the first time you don't win a show is when you're taking fourth at the Olympia. So don't yeah. have that expectation in your head. Um, yeah. And kind of the, the last thing that I wanted to, to touch about is specifically with men. I'd say it's lesser with women. Um, with men, when you start using super physiological doses of testosterone and things like that, you are making... A lifelong commitment um, I'm not a proponent of thinking you just do like one or two cycles and you move on one I don't think that's a realistic expectation but two when you take these hormones you shut down your your body's natural way of producing them so if you take 500 milligrams of testosterone for 16 weeks your body's not producing a meaningful amount of testosterone there's still minor minor amounts but nothing like that your, your body was doing. And the more you expose yourself to drugs like that, the longer you stay on um, exogenous hormones, the less that your body is producing. And the longer that that kind of a machinery, for lack of a better term, is shut down, the more difficult it is going to be to restart. Um, mm -hmm. And also that restarting process can really just like wreak havoc on men's health from a physical and psychological standpoint. You know, if you go from having the serum testosterone content of a gorilla to coming off gear and you have the serum testosterone content of a seven-year-old girl, how do you think that's going to make you feel psychologically? How do you think it's going to make you feel physically? Not good. Yeah. Um, so I'm a believer of when you take your first dose of test, as a man, you are accepting the fact that this is something you will likely have to be doing for the remainder of your life. I'm not saying you have to be blasting gear the rest of your life, obviously not doing that, but if you're in your 20s and you spend five or six years competing in bodybuilding or powerlifting where you're using enhancements on and off throughout the year, you're probably just going to have to stay on a, a medical TRT the rest of your life. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I always joke and say I just got on TRT 15 years before all of my friends would be. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's something I don't think enough people talk about because – you're probably uh, not going to just do one cycle and you're probably, you know, everyone does the thing where they do their first cycle and they come off gear and they try to PCT and they realize how shitty they feel and they never PCT again and they just blast and cruise. Um, and I think long term, that's probably, I would argue, a better option anyway than having to restart these systems over and over again. Um, with women, it's a little different. So... If you think about female physiology, they are not having to signal to, you know, testicles because they don't have any to produce testosterone. Um, they just get some adrenal production and some very minor um, other production and other glands around their body, but that production doesn't really shut off as as frequently as um, like gonadal production in men. So. When you are a woman and you're taking gear and you come off, you're probably just going to rebound back to your normal levels of testosterone, which is probably not going to feel any you know, crazier to you than you were beforehand. Um, and realistically, your exposure to testosterone is probably not going to be that high. So when you come back down, it's not going to be a huge difference, whereas... With men, if you think about endogenous production, we can say we're maybe producing anywhere between 100 and 150 milligrams of testosterone. If you're taking 600 megs of test and then 700 masteron and 300 tread every week, and you go back down to that, it's not going to feel very great. Um, mm -hmm. So it's it's a, a consideration you have to make before you jump into gear. Like this is not just the season of your life. Maybe the bodybuilding and the blasting of gear is, but it's very likely you're going to have to be some kind of, uh, you're going to have to be on some kind of hormonal replacement for the remainder of your life. Yeah, 
and that goes back to, to understanding the severity of this. And if you think this is going to be lackadaisical and just like something you try, like you just do, you also have the wrong uh, preconceived notions about what this is, what this is going to entail. Right. Um, like I said, for me, I knew the second I started was the second I started and then I'm not going to end it. Right. As far as blasting goes, it's a different conversation. That's a, a once a year thing. But as far as having to supplement testosterone for hormone replacement, I will be doing it for the rest of my life. And I am okay with that because also it's one thing that I homo homeostatically, I can control my hormones now. Whereas when I was 17 and bulimic, my hormones were everywhere, right? And that was not good yeah. for my mental health, whereas now I can control it. Um, yeah. And going back to it too, I think one thing that we need to you know, just chime in on really quick, you can also compete naturally and be successful as most of my athletes have competed naturally and have never placed out of top five in an open class and just see if you like being on stage because yeah. you might not like competing. And then yeah. now why, why did we just take test trend mast and the whole kitchen sink to get on stage, get second call outs and hate that shit. Now, like yeah. what, what was it worth? Right. Um, and I think it's just a game of patience. I think unfortunately people become like, I remember when I first PEDs were first discussed, right. You know, 2017, 2018, you couldn't you looked on forums to read things which obviously like can be very misleading at some of the shit that you see but you didn't just talk about it in the gym you didn't just go up to the biggest guy and ask him you get your ass handed to you right you had to know a guy who knew a guy who knew the guy and then you had to basically vetted to talk to the guy to ask him questions you know what i mean Whereas or, now or it's like you found some sketchy source on on the internet and you put like cash in the envelope and then yeah. you stuck like a torn piece of paper in there with your order on it and sent it to them. You just prayed to the gods that it showed up. Yeah, you prayed it got back and you pray whatever bathtub brood bullshit is what it says it is and it's dosed properly yeah. and you, you read yeah, the smudged label. Heavy metals. Yeah, you you read the smudged label that someone has put on very very haphazardly and hope to God it's the right dosage and milligram amount. <laughs> Um, yeah. whereas now it's like, you can go almost on mainstream websites and buy, and this is the other part of it too, what you assume is what you think it is. But I would say in most cases it's not. Whereas now you can just go on TikTok and there's 9 million people who are actively talking about their gear usage, but they're, they're, they're not discussing it in an informative manner as much as it's just like bragging in a certain sense. Like they, like they're wearing a, a badge of honor for taking test yeah. and trend or whatever bullshit it is. So it's very bizarre to see in the last five or six years how the industry has entirely changed where you can go yeah. on any website nearly and you can find this shit way too easily. But I will also tell people like if you're buying PEDs and it's from a random source you found through some dude on TikTok, you're probably going to get scammed because what are you going to do when your gear is fake? Are you going to call the cops? <laughs> yeah. Like, the fuck are you gonna do about it? Hey, you just, just injected the Shopify storefront. That's what they were selling me tests. They just sent me olive oil. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, I used Afterpay when I bought my cycle, and it was just yeah. MCT oil. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess all it. I'm gonna call Klarna and see if they'll reverse the charges on my already overdrawn bank account because I got scammed, and I'm shooting coconut oil into my delts twice a week. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Well, like people, I, when it comes to like, let's look at this from like a like a business perspective. If you are, uh, uh, if you own a lab, so to speak, which is just some dude in his kitchen, it's it's not yeah, like it's an, or yeah, or in his spare bedroom. Yeah, it's like some dude in his garage, right? Um, you you have to look at it from the perspective of like he doesn't care how like he doesn't have to care because you'll never find him. And again, you're not going to call the cops and talking about margins. It's a lot easier just to sell fake shit and make a chunk of change than to actually. And again, you're also trusting a lab, which is some dude in his garage that he has like enough of a biochemistry background to cook and make this stuff effectively so that it actually works. Yeah. You, you're taking a lot of gambles. There's a lot of what ifs in all of this shit. Cool. Uh, I'll, Chris, I don't know if you have anything else to add. I feel like uh, 
I got everything out from my notes that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. No, I think it's everything. Uh, get your blood work done. Again, if you can't afford it, uh, you're not doing any of this as it is. I think patience is the ultimate virtue in this whole game of bodybuilding as it is beyond using PEDs and all of that. If you have any specific questions, uh, please reach out to either of us. We'd be happy to discuss within reason. We're not going to do a cycle protocol for you, so get fucked if you think that's the case. Um, but yeah, that's ultimately what we're here for is try to inform and educate and try to um, prevent people from making stupid mistakes that we see being made all of the time. So yeah. on that note, we love and appreciate you all. Thank you for those who have left a five-star review on Spotify. I'm still waiting for Apple Podcasts to get back to me. It has been a fun little game with them. Um, but for those who are new to listening, thank you for taking time out of your day. Please leave us a five-star review on Spotify. Um, repost us. Tell a friend. Tell your parents. I don't know. Just let people know. No, definitely um, tell your parents. Tell, your parents. tell your parents about this episode. They'll love it. They'll love it. Um, yeah. Tell my parents about it. They'll fucking love it too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, on that note, we love and appreciate you guys. Mike, do you have any other words of wisdom to add? Yeah, I do. So, okay. talking about enhancement, take less than you think you need because you don't need as much as you want to take. Get your blood work done. Take your health supplements and your health drugs that are necessary. Take them before issues come up. Don't mm -hmm. don't wait for the issues to come up and then you manage it. Manage them beforehand. Eat properly. Sleep well. Do your cardio. I don't care if it's in the off season. Do your cardio so you don't have a heart attack when you're 26. And that's all, that's 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 all I have to say. And that's it, baby. And then on that note, we appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to Collective. Um, have a great day.